Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Super pumped to be back in the kitchen with you and the other fellas. And I got to let you know, man, this is what I do. Breaking news. Uh, I invited, uh, I invited uh, in, in, in honor of Veterans Day, I invited a 20-year vet to come kick oh, wow. it with us tonight. He's a lifelong Seahawks fan uh, up in Washington, and he's actually in my uh, immediate family. So we'll see. You might get a Washington number that pops up there, and uh, he's got uh, stories to tell, not only uh, in the NFL, but uh, but abroad as well. So uh, I look forward to uh, talking to you boys tonight. 
That is awesome, man. Uh, again, shout out to all the veterans. Uh, thank you so much for your service. Those of you guys that know me personally know that I married an Army vet. Um, so, you know, th- th- this particular holiday is near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Also, shout out to Chandler, who is uh, a, a chef here in the building, who also did uh, some service. So, shout out to all those who have served and all those that are still struggling with the uh, aftermath of that. That, that. that goes without being said and spoke about so much. So I want to, again, pay my respect and honor uh, where honor is due. Um, again, call the number is 929-477-2759. Lock and load of hair. If you're in queue, man, go ahead and raise your hand if you want to get brought up and talk to us. If not, you can definitely stand there and listen to us as, as we go. Breaking news, I wanted to actually talk college football um, the, the the rankings came out today, um, and there was a little bit of a shakeup, if you will. Uh, Michigan jumped Ohio State, um, and Georgia's back at number one. So it goes Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Florida State. Um, and I'm going to keep it a whole buck with you, dog. I'm not too sure what Ohio State did to fall two spots. Um, and, again, take it from me. You guys know I'm a Penn State guy through and through. Um, we can't beat either one of these two schools, and eventually one of these two schools are going to lose their play at the end of the year. But I still think Ohio State is one of the, is the best team in the country. Georgia really didn't do it for me, even though they ran through Ole Miss like they did. Did you have an issue with how these rankings came out, or are you cool with how, how it laid out? Yeah, you know what? It, it it it's always hard, right, when you're talking about undefeated teams because I mean, if you want to be super technical, you look at a team like Washington, who's fifth, who was previously fourth, you know, they they're now they're now kind of on the outside looking in, right? 10 and 0. How many ranked teams have they played in comparison to a team like Florida State? But to address your question specifically, uh, if I'm Ohio State, that's all right. It puts a chip on our shoulder, and like you said, and the most important thing that you said was the last game of the season, Ohio State has a date with destiny with Michigan, and you know what? They're going to be able to, you know, destiny is in their own hands, so to speak, as you know. They will be the controller of their destiny. They win that game. For sure, they're going to be in the playoffs, and more than likely, you beat a top two, three team in the nation. Uh, there's a very, very good chance that you could potentially vault. It's really hard, and I was just talking to – I might have been Ty about this. It's really hard when you think of, you know, what's what's recency biased. But if you look, Georgia the last two weeks has played number 13 Mississippi, who looked awful. But you know what? you got to give Georgia some of the credit on that and beat them by 35 points. And then the week before that played number 11 Missouri – uh, and one by nine. So part of part of the issue is, um, I mean, we've said here on Sports City that we don't necessarily think that Georgia's quite as good as they were last year, right? But at the same time, you look at the recent resume of what Georgia has done. They have won. They have beat two top ten teams in the last two weeks. It's hard to compare that when you're talking about you know, Ohio State, and what have they done the last three weeks? They've played Rutgers, Michigan uh, Michigan State, and Wisconsin. And I understand at one time those were pretty proud teams, but we all know they have fallen on harder times. And you know what? The Penn State victory was impressive. 
Um, but but the, the the problem with Ohio State is they just haven't had um, they haven't had that marquee matchup yet against a, a, a top ten team. You know, um, Penn State was outside the top ten, Notre Dame outside the top ten. But like I said, I do think that Michigan is a game that's definitely circled. Um, I don't know if necessarily Michigan should have jumped in, but I will tell you, you could make a compelling argument because Michigan has looked really, really darn good. Yeah, I I mean, Michigan has looked really, really good. I I just have a hard time. Here's the thing, like, I've never been a fan, and Mr. Harvey, I'll see you there. I'm going to get you here in a second, sir. I've never been really a fan of – a team losing a place if they haven't lost. And the thing is, like, it wasn't a close, narrow win for Ohio State. They, I mean, they beat some breaks off of these guys, um, and they still managed to fall to three. Mr. Harvey, man, welcome to the program, man. It's good to hear from you, man. Talking college football right up your alley, sir. The, the, the new rankings came out today. Uh, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Florida State, man. Talk to me about how you feel. Yeah, so, I mean, at the end of the day, here's what matters. We get four. Uh, these four undefeated teams have their paths in front of them. If they win, they're going to be in, period, right? Um, all of them are not going to because Ohio State, Michigan are going to cancel each other out. I mean, it's probably better for that large bid for it to be Ohio State that needs the at-large would, you know, they got a little bit better out of conference resume, but at the end of the day, um, Oregon wins. If they come back and beat Washington in the conference championship game, a one-loss Oregon slash one-loss Washington has a really compelling uh, argument, and then it becomes a really, really interesting discussion. And then people say, this is why we're going to twelve. I don't think there are 12 teams that can win it, but I think there are 12 teams that can make a fun game. But this year, uh, if all these teams win out, they're going to play for the championship. That's what it comes down to. Uh, Georgia, Ohio State, Florida State, if they go undefeated, you can count on all three of those guys being there. And then it becomes, is it undefeated Washington or which one lost team is it? And it's only going to be two or three different teams really in that discussion, I believe. I don't think you're going to see a lot of chaos that's going to involve a two- or three-loss team getting in. I don't think that. I think the only thing that makes it real, real wonky is if Texas does uh, when I win the Big 12, and then if uh, Alabama were to beat Georgia, then that makes for a lot of really uh, crazy discussions as far as what they do with different teams. Because every time people think Georgia's about to be challenged a little bit, uh, they come out and say, you know, Y'all better remember who we are, recognize. And they they make sure it's not close. Now, we'll see. Michigan, Ohio State gave them everything they wanted. And I think that's – if they get enough quarterback play, they can play with them. they got enough talent all over the field. But that Georgia team is not necessarily as good as last year. On the defensive side of the ball, uh, Carson Beck may be a better quarterback than Seth Bennett was. Yeah? And they may have developed more talent at different positions on the, on the field um, now. So – uh, we, we'll see. I think it's still a good team. I, I don't yeah. say that, you know, I'm not trying to crown them because I think that mm-hmm. there's three or four teams that could win, which make it fun. Uh, you know, I personally think Oregon's better than Washington. Right? So, hey, uh, Harvey, we'll, we'll see. Quick question for you, because I know you're 
huge college sports nut, and, and even to you too, Sirius, with the way that Florida State has played recently and even most recently and, and really the, the nail-biter against a, a Miami team that's 6-4, and four, any, any um, surprise at all that Washington actually dipped below Florida, or do you think they got the rankings right? No, I, I'm not surprised because uh, at, at the end of the day, if Washington goes undefeated and beats Oregon, they're not going to end up finishing below them. But I think, once again, if they all win, their path's going to be set. So I don't think it matters that much right now. Because Florida State well, has beaten a couple of other – Florida State has be, beaten a couple of other teams fairly uh, fairly convincing. And they also are just now getting those big receivers, you know, back at the very end of the year. So you got to assume that if they make a playoff run, these guys are available to them and, and ready to go. So they're going to be uh, – you know, they're going to be there if they win out. See, this is, this is why I disagree with you, because I honestly believe that if, if all things are created equal, okay, Florida State law, almost lost a nail-biter to an unranked uh, Miami team who they should have rolled. On the flip side, Washington, uh, they won, but it was close, but they won against a, a ranked opponent. So well, to, 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 use, to, to, to use that type of logic baffles me because, again, Utah at the time was ranked 18 when they lost. Okay, so so let me further baffle you or clear it up a little bit, however you want to take it. Go back and look at go go back and look at Washington scores week in and week out, and there have been times where Washington's played with their food against teams that they mm-hmm. should have handled and taken and taken care of too. So uh, to me, yeah. It, at this point, there's very little. It very little matters between three and four. If they win, they get in, and and we'll right. see what the rest of the teams on their schedule end up doing between now and the end of the year. If LSU wins out and wins nine, ten games, that looks better for them. If A and M beats them, that looks worse. Miami's not a bad football team, but let's not get that twisted. And if if Florida State has those guys uh, healthy at receiver, you got six six basically six six and six seven on both sides on each side. So you've got a problem on both sides of the field with people that can also run the middle of the field, and they're physical at the line of scrimmage. Like, they've built that team the right way, and they're going to be a problem to match up with. You better hope somebody has a great game and this guy's off throwing the ball. I mean, this team's going to be a problem. Uh, but Miami is better. Even though they let another game get away, and at times it looks questionable, the overall talent on that roster, and I, I think Miami's better. Cristobal has come under a lot of fire because of the way certain things have ended there, but uh, that that roster is getting better at Miami very very quickly. Yeah, you know what Miami Miami has a, a ton of self inflicted. I mean, people forget, but let's not forget this is the team that literally the last play of the game all they had to do was was take a knee and they they had exactly. a W and for whatever inexplicable reason decided to run you know full uh, halfback dive and, and literally cough the ball up like. They have literally shot themselves mm-hmm. in the foot so many times. The only thing that I would uh, uh, argue or counter with that is with Washington is you look at what they've done the last five weeks. Look at their resume. They beat 19th-ranked Arizona. They beat number six-ranked, which which now is number, number six-ranked Oregon. Uh, they, they beat USC, who was ranked at the time. They just beat number 16 Utah. That's all in the last four or five weeks. They play number 10 Oregon State this week. So resume-wise, uh, Sirius, what I would say is I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon wins this week, even if Florida does, Florida State does beat 
North Alabama if you don't see that those two flop. So I wouldn't be too worried about it. This is kind of an initial kind of ranking, but I think what you're going to see is the top five are correct. They're all no-loss teams. They deserve to be there. And as Mike said, they all have a clear path. None of these guys other than Ohio State and Michigan play against each other. So the other three teams have a very clear path. Win and you're in. Yeah. And the answer is going to be who should go between – if all four of those teams do not win out, who should go out of the one-loss teams? And there's going to be two or three of them right there that are going to be in that They're going to be more than that. There's like four or five right now. It, yeah. Right, but we still got a couple. We still got a couple weeks left, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I think the number. I, mean, I think the number one loss teams by that point is going to be be limited, and we'll see. Uh, the question would be: Does it become Oregon and Washington, or Ohio State and Michigan? That that's going to end up being the the compelling question because, in this case, the one versus two in the conference. Even if or if Oregon does not win. Uh, then I don't think they're going to go, and it would suck. Even if they lost the same, to the same team by a field goal, each time. they're not going to go because of two losses. Because now the conferences are pitting top two for a conference championship instead of, you know, divisions. Right. Which right. is going to make oh, a difference so- for buy purposes in the playoffs. Once they do that, go to correct. 12. Correct, correct. Call on number 929-477-2759 to start off with a little bit of college. Uh, but breaking news kind of has uh, told us this, 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 this before we jumped on that his good buddy uh, who has served our great country is ready to talk. Mr. Robert, thank you so much for your service, sir. Welcome to Sports City. How are we doing this evening? Thanks, boys. It's a pleasure to be here, and I just wanted to say one thing. Um, I, he's not my good buddy. That's actually my big brother. I'm really proud of him, and I'm a big fan of the show, guys. Thank you so much. We, we, we like him around these parts here too, man. We we put up with a lot, so uh, he he he's kind of attached <laughs> to us like glue. Um, talking college football here, sir. Um, I know you practiced out there and that neck of the woods. So, are you a Husky fan or what's your favorite college football team? You know, you have to be. I mean, I live two point five miles uh, from the the campus there, and I've been watching what they're doing and. With everything that's going on, the Pac-12, you know, under the the magnus, like the the magnifying glass right now, we don't know what's happening. They're going to be broken up, this and that. Well, right now, I mean, these teams are proving that they deserved, you know, past tense to be a real conference, and they are going to compete at the highest levels, you know, be it in, in wherever they go, East Coast wise, SEC, right. ACC, whatever. Yeah, well, um, you know, one thing I, you guys are talking a lot about, you know, these top five teams. Uh, sorry for the delay, too, but you know, these top five teams all have very. What I heard you guys saying is they have very similar, you know, coaching, that talent, um, dynamics. What is going to make the difference? And you know, going back to my, you know, army experience, I think what I would say is like the culture, like literally, which program is under the most stress right now? Like that unit, the one that's deploying back to back to back, and it's causing a lot of problems and, and divorces and, and injuries and, and, you know, mental illness or whatever, like yeah. that is the one that's going to lose its morale deep in the fighting season, I promise you. And, you know, I'm not going to pick a team as a fan, but what I would say is I'm looking at that top five, I go, man, 
you know, like, for instance, Michigan's really got something to fight for or something to lose really quickly here in the culture aspect, right? Like, um, you know, things like that. I mean, what do you guys think of that? I mean, they're really, you know, under the, like, they're in the hot seat right now, and I wonder, is that going to be motivation, or is that going to be something that really is just, like, cancerous and spreads across the program and the campus like that? That's a very good question, and I'm actually going to start with breaking news, man. Uh, Mr. Robert here, you know, wanted to talk a little bit about Michigan and what's going on there. Mr. Harbaugh didn't coach on on Saturday versus Penn State. The the hearing and everything is slated for Friday, but uh, he likened it to, you know, deploying and and, and dealing with wounds and things of that nature, which was a great analogy. Uh, How do you feel this whole thing shakes out for Michigan that seems to kind of band together and be a band of brothers on Saturday, can that continue for the rest of the season and on to the playoffs, or do you think something kind of trips them up there? You know, I listen, I I could be wrong, and, and I, I hear the point that, that uh, Robert's making, but uh, I feel like in Michigan, the one thing, I, I feel like, I feel like, uh, I feel like Jim Harbaugh reminds me a lot of Pete Carroll in that they're both, we always call them like rah-rah guys. Like the reason why Pete Carroll, you know, thing worked in college is because you're only there three, four, five years, right? And then, you know, like the whole rah-rah speech, the motivation, everybody says that. But at some point you, you take a step back and you look and you go, okay, well, Pete Carroll has continued to have success year over year, getting rid of literally the entire Legion of Boom, getting rid of Russell Wilson, which everybody thought was a disastrous idea. And I only compare him to him to say that, I think Jim Harbaugh is the same type of motivator. I think Jim Harbaugh is the exact same type of, um, you know, person, if you will, coach. And and when I look at this schedule, like I said, I, I could be wrong, boys, but when I look at this schedule, I have a hard time not going circling back to last year when Michigan beat the brakes off of Ohio State. And and looking right now and, and looking at these boys saying, you know what, we have a chance at an undefeated season. I, you know, if I was a betting man, I know a lot of people think Ohio State is, is the best team in the country. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan ended up undefeated. That's just, that's just my take. I mean, to be, to be honest with you, uh, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked, you know, Everybody in sports needs something, especially if you're competitive. They need something to gravitate toward. They need, uh, you know, something to fight for. And and right now, it's it's the us against the world mentality with Michigan. Um, and so as they prepare, um, I, I, again, as a Penn State fan, I'm gonna keep it a buck. I walked into last week's game knowing we were gonna lose that ball game. I, I knew it. I mean, from from from, from Nate Diaz you know, trying to troll incorrectly from um, from everything trying to – for everything going on, I, I just knew because they had added incentive to go out there and work. Mr. Harvey, I wanted to throw it in your direction, uh, talking about Michigan and what they're dealing with and Harbaugh and all that. Uh, Mr. Roberts says, you know, it, it, it could hurt him down the stretch. It, it, it could help them. What say you, sir? I think you're muted, Harvey. Harvey, uh, you're on mute. Uh, okay. T- t- the question about Harbaugh, repeat the question. 
one more time, please? The, 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 the question was this, this whole situation with Michigan and, and, and Harbaugh, uh, Robert said that it, it could potentially hurt them, but it also could potentially help them going down the stretch. They could go one or two ways with it. Uh, on Saturday, it really did help them, um, you know, band together yeah. and go on the road and beat uh, Penn State. Uh, they got two more games left and, and a potential playoff run. How, how would this help or hurt them? No, I, mean, I, I think he, this is a well-constructed roster. I mean, maybe on game day, who knows? But, I mean, not – he can still work with them some throughout the week. And, I mean, they've built uh, a team to win a championship, they think, or at least get them there. And it's it's worked. They beat, they've built a team to beat Ohio State. So they've been able to beat Ohio mm-hmm. State. Uh, because yep. they've been able to beat because they've been able to beat them up physically, that hasn't necessarily meant that they've done the best in the playoffs. I mean, look at you know Georgia was lucky to survive last year against Ohio State. Honestly, Ohio State very easily could have won that football game last year because even if you're good enough to win it, sometimes things have to break or something has to happen or whatever. Like every team's had it. You go back and look at some of the most dominant teams; they had a, a moment, uh, and right. so that was Georgia's survival moment, and they'll probably have one this year. And either Carson Beck will bring him back at some point, or he won't. Or, or he won't, right? But, I mean, but I I think that this Michigan team is is put together to win. I think there's talent on that coaching staff. I think they can get ready. I think they'll band together for that coach. I think they're not going to be surprised by anybody they're playing. And I think this was them reminding you, like in the second half of their game, we don't even have to like throw the football if we want to. We're good enough that mm-hmm. we can line up and just hat on hat beat you up and like gain yards and uh, possess the ball and put enough points up and every one of your guys are going to want a hot tub or a cold bath or something or multiple uh, sessions over the next few days to feel okay going into this week. Like that, Michigan beat them up. Yeah, and just to add yeah, on to that, that uh, serious, just, and I'll make it quick. If you go back historically and look at the last two games, like to me – uh, this is the whole, you know, analogy of Ohio State not peaking ahead too far, right? And I, and I say that meaning, you know, it's going to be really hard for Ohio State to really hone in, right, on Minnesota this week when they know they have the game looming. But the last two times that Michigan has played Ohio State, they've run for over 300 yards each game. Uh, they've had a, 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 a runner – and each one of those games rushed for over 160 yards individually. And one of those games, a guy ran for over 200 yards. So you guys know how I feel about the run. There is nothing more demoralizing or debilitating than lining up hat on a hat and literally just running the ball down somebody's throat and they cannot stop the run. And that has been Ohio State. It doesn't matter if you have the best wide receiver in the nation. It doesn't matter how prolific your offense is. It doesn't matter all those other things because if Michigan can line up and run for five and a half yards a clip or better, like they've done against them each year, the last two, it's not going to matter. Their offense isn't going to have the ball enough. Definitely, definitely. Mr. Robert, uh, what say you, man? You kind of heard the panel, sir. Um, A lot of people are are kind of – drinking the Kool-Aid that Michigan is kind of the better team regardless of what's going on. Um, to use your analogy, sir, um, how do you think this is going to pan out with Michigan? Are you just going to help them? It's going to hurt them um, as they get ready to press on? 
you know, I choose not to go with the X's and O's. I think you guys know that better. But I just think of the average age of a college football player. I mean, is it 20? Is it 21? Somewhere in between. You know, we forget that sometimes because they're so athletic on the field. Well, what you just That's did is you, 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 cut, you cut the father figure out of the family, you know. Mm. And, and divorce hurts young teenagers and, and even into your 20s more than you think. And, you know, yes, of course, I'm being metaphoric, but, yes, it is a bit of a divorce if Jim Harbaugh can't go in the building. If he can't be there and they can't look up to that father figure, and, you know, it, 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 you lose a little something. I guess. Let's be honest. And I saw a very emotional team last week winning, yes, but crying and pissed off. And I know we think, yeah, hey, yeah. that is what's going to win football. That's going to win football. That's going to win you some football. I wonder if it can take you deep into the playoffs. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a very hard way to win and a very hard way to, to lose, if that makes sense. Great no, point, sorry, 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 Dust. So, sorry, it does, and I, I actually want to double-click on that. You know, we use a lot of times in, in sports that, you know, emotion and, and, and things like that kind of, you know, drive us. But ultimately, you know, these these guys are going to have to answer this question time and time again. They're going to have to look on their social media and see the memes and the jokes and everything about that. And at what point do these 19, 20-year-old young men you know, have to, you know, answer that. How, how are they going to answer to that? Um, I'm sure this is something that, you know, uh, Harvey and TP spoke about, you know, on their particular show. But for, for, for me, gentlemen, it, it's interesting because, you know, again, to Robert's point, I keep forgetting that these are 19, 20-year-old young men, you know, and so they have to deal with this type of situation or deal with this type of thing for a significant period of time. Uh, that, that, that was an excellent point by you, sir. Excellent point. Um, anybody want to go through anything else before, before we transition? Harvey, breaking news, Robert, anyone, anything else? You, or are you guys good to transition? Uh, now, just one more, a couple more things real quick, because it's interesting to see uh, how teams follow up and they're not ready to handle it. Oklahoma State pulls a win off over Oklahoma in the last ever Bedlam game. And a team that made them look like maybe after a two and two start, this team's going to compete for a championship. And they lost to Central Florida, forty-five to three. Like they lost bad enough that like you almost feel bad for them. Like it's a good thing they didn't play any longer. With the numbers that Central Florida was able to put up, like go home, it was over. Like like you are not a contender at all. Like thanks for playing. You exposed this other team. Uh, we're gonna, you know, they're gonna be in for a ride next year. We'll see what happens when they come over here. Like, but they ruined Oklahoma's chances for a playoff. Uh, now, can Oklahoma ruin Texas in the rematch? Right, like mm-hmm. that's that's a question. And it, can Texas, if they went out with one loss, can they get into discussion? Based on how they're, I think it's, uh, I think it's, probably not. Probably. I, th- I, I, I think if Texas wins out, they're going to have to leapfrog a couple people. You know, I mean, obviously Alabama's sitting there lurking. They do got a game, I think, versus you guys coming up here in a couple weeks. You got a couple other one-loss teams that, in my opinion, are significantly better um, than Texas. Um, but, again, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. 
that 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 Oregon Washington game is going to be interesting, and then the the loser of Michigan Ohio State. I, th- I think you know that one loss team may get in uh, before Texas does, but I, I, I digress. Uh, but before we transition, I definitely wanted to talk about our sponsor, shout out to PHI Apparel, uh, for sponsoring this show and the rest of the other here on Sports mm-hmm. Network, the network. Yeah, let's go, PHI. This portion of our program is brought to you by PHI Apparel Company. PHI Apparel Company provides unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of the Philadelphia area. With their original designs for all, there's no doubt that they'll stand out in the crowd. Act now and listeners can use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. That's phiapparel.co. Remember to use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off. Act now while supplies last. Shout out to PHI Apparel for sponsoring this show and the rest of the other shows here on Sports Chef the Network. Um, what's up, Mr. Harvey? All right, real quick, give me about 12 more seconds to say one thing. Uh, he will not win it, but give Jaden Daniels an invitation to New York. This guy just accounted for <laughs> 606 yards. He threw for 380 and ran for another 230. This guy, like, 600 yards in a football game. Uh, and everybody, all the fans, all the – okay, I'm sorry. I'm not going to go in. I really want to go in for a minute. Maybe I'll do a finger for on it. But let, let me just tell you, dog, right, uh, it, it's it's so nice to see. But just look at the numbers. Look at the percentages. Look at the uh, yards per attempt. Look at everything that Jaden Daniels is putting up uh, with passing and rushing numbers. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's not his fault that their de- defense has been probably as bad as USC's. Like, uh, like, listen. <laughs> the numbers are there, and he deserves to. Uh, he deserves to have a seat at the table. It, it, it's ridiculous. Uh, Jaden Daniels, bro. Uh, Heisman vote. I, I won't say this though. It took me almost a half or so before you mentioned Jaden Daniels. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with you, sir. I, I'm impressed. Uh, I'm very much impressed. Um, but we are going to make a transition and start talking about the NFL. Um, I, I wanted to, to to spend some time and talk about the state of New York, man. That, that there's a lot of bad football being played, um, in, in, in that particular state. Um, and I'm just going to start with the elephant in the room. What I saw yesterday from the Buffalo Bills was damn right disgraceful. Um, and I wanted to give everybody an opportunity to kind of talk about it. Uh, Josh Allen gets a lot of a lot of buzz because he played Patrick Mahomes close that one time. Um, however, he has been elevated to a, 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 a level that I don't think he's quite qualified to be. Um, but I, I can go on for for years about that. But I wanted to throw it around the building, um, and then you want to talk about the, the Jets quarterback situation and, and, and Zach Wilson or whatever the hell is going on right now. Uh, in New York with the G-Men. We, we, we can talk about them as well, but I wanted to give everybody a talk about the Buffalo Bills from yesterday. Breaking news, I, I'll come to you, sir. Um, help, me, help, help, help me figure this thing out, man. Buffalo um, is not playing good football, and to be honest with you, they have it for quite some time now. 
Brian, if you're talking, you're on mute. Thank you, sir. So this is the reality with the Buffalo Bills right now. Um, you know, it's unfortunate. Uh, it, it's an unfortunate situation. I, I apologize. I forgot the OC's name, but um, uh, Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey got fired. Uh, this isn't a Ken Dorsey problem. Unfortunately, it's not. Ken, no, Ken Dorsey not is all. not the Ken Dorsey is not the the you know the person on the field fumbling the ball on the second play or throwing an interception on the second drive. I mean, literally, their first two drives were turnovers, um, and and you just you can't do that. I mean, you guys know literally the you know this game ended uh, two point difference. And and if you look at that first series, Buffalo turns the ball over on their own 25-yard line, or 28-yard line, excuse me. Broncos don't gain a single yard, not a single yard, and they kick a field goal to go up 3 nothing. Then you look at later in the game when they're down <clears throat> by, uh, by uh, two, or by one, excuse me, by one, you have the Jerry Judy uh, pass interference call, and I got to tell you, you know how I despise the refs influencing the game. Like, you know, some people are going to say legitimate, some are going to say ticky tack. Listen, you know, you know, I'm not a Broncos fan. Uh, I, I'm also not a Buffalo fan. Some of these calls are just like downright atrocious. Then Buffalo, Denver kicks a field goal. And it's wide right, but wait a minute, there's a penalty. They're going to get another shot at it. I mean, it's literally a comedy of errors. If you played that game, I don't care what the record is. I don't care, uh, I don't care what everything else tells you. If you play that game 20 times, Buffalo is going to win 19 of them. I'm just telling you, it, the, that game went as bad as it possibly could go for the Bills, and they were literally leading that game all the way till the very last seconds of the game. I think there was less than five seconds left in the game when uh, Denver finally kicks the field goal to go ahead. And you know what? You're right. Listen, I've been defending Josh Allen for a long time, saying, listen, the, the guy doesn't have weapons. When, when Gabe Davis is your number one, like, you're in trouble. When Gabe Davis leads the, you know, leads the team in receptions, you know that you're in trouble. Like, we talk about that. And <clears throat> you know what? But but his play the other day, as much as I've defended him, he he presses way too hard. He has to do way too much, or at least that that is what he's got in his mind. You've got a running back in James Cook that averaged nine yards a carry. Latavius Murphy, 7.5 yards a carry. Why those two gentlemen together only got 20 carries is beyond me. When you know your quarterback is struggling and throws a pick on one of the first two drives, and you know you have running backs that are averaging seven to nine yards per carry, I don't know, maybe try helping him out a little bit and letting these guys run the rock. Because when they ran the rock, good things happened. Amen. When they threw, it didn't. So that's where I would leave it with that. I, I, I Listen, the last two weeks, uh, Denver went from literally an embarrassment, a laughing stock, to they just beat the Kansas City Chiefs and now the Buffalo Bills. Some of that you could absolutely chalk up to luck. Some of that is, you know what, kudos to Sean Payton. I, I, I literally said I, I, he was outdated and out of touch. 
and he he has gotten rid of some players and and started to slowly turn this thing around and almost made Russell Wilson look like a competent quarterback, almost. Um, almost. So almost. It, it's just it's just rough, man. It really is. I feel like Josh Allen is pressing way too hard, and I feel like mm-hmm. uh, if you're averaging eight and a half yards a carry, why run the ball 20 times and throw it 26 times when you've had the lead the entire game? That's the qu- things that make you go, hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's funny you mentioned that, you know, the, the running game has always been a, a, a something that the Buffalo Bills have said that they needed. Um, and you have that in, in, in Cook right now, and you bring in Lenny Fournette and you got Murray there who, who, who can tote the rock, but yet you still keep putting your quarterback in less than advantageous situation. Now, again, I'm not too sure what the play was called. I'm not too sure what the rock concepts were. All I know is that, to your point, uh, breaking news, uh, Josh Allen is pressing. You know, he, he leads the league right now in interceptions. Um, he, leads, he also leads the league in passing touchdowns. But he, he, he leads the league in turnovers. And this is not the first year he's done that. So, um, Mr. Harvey, I, I'll come to you, sir. Uh, this Buffalo Bills team is, is a head scratcher. You know, I, I don't like to do it like this because the playoffs started today. They will be on the outside looking in when this team had Super Bowl aspirations as we all got together in August and started talking ball of this magnitude. Man, what say you about the Buffalo Bills? So we've had the conversation that Buffalo's window could be closing. Nobody thought it was closing like this. Like, I mean, they, like the president, like the little uh, thing that kind of controls how quick it closes. Like, uh, it, it, it's messed up or something. It's loose. Something. It's a problem. It's a problem. I, like, it, it doesn't look good right now. I mean, I, I think it's possible. Uh, they may still be fine because – Listen, the only other team in that division that has the ability to put up a lot of points hadn't beat a losing a winning team yet either. So I mean, uh, you know, the, all fear the Jets with Zach Wilson at quarterback. So and then you got the Patriots. My God, like so if you come out of that division like five hundred, like you gonna make the playoffs regardless. Can you figure it out by then? I don't know. We'll see. It doesn't look good right now, but. The talent on that roster. So, I mean, all is not lost. You can still make the playoffs in that division. That's the version of the NFC South. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the next three they have, they got the Jets, you know, they, they should be favored there. And then they just got murderers row. I mean, they got the Eagles, they got the Chiefs. Uh, then they got the Cowboys, the Chargers, and then they end the season with the Patriots and the Dolphins. I can make a legitimate case that this Buffalo Bills team doesn't make the playoffs. And I said that earlier uh, on the season because I just wasn't a fan of their defense. But, like, you have you have a murderer's row right now. You just fired your offensive coordinator. You got Josh Allen that's turning the ball over like he's giving out hot takes at, at McDonald's. And you've got literally murderer's row, if you will. I think the statistician said – the the, the the hardest schedule remaining schedule uh in football when you got these type of these type of teams uh to play. Uh Mr. Roberts, sir, I will come to you, man. This this Buffalo Bills team is, is starting to leak some oil. 
Uh, we here in Sports City uh, have said this time and time again uh, that Josh Allen isn't the elite quarterback that people make him out to be, and that this window, as Mr. Harvey alluded to, was closing. What say you about the Buffalo Bills, sir? I think he is elite like that. I think he actually has been relied upon to be such an elite like playmaker all the time. You know, like the 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 weight of the world on his shoulders so much. He's got to run it. He's got to do you know magical things here. You know. I know it's a different stature and a different style, but a lot of years in the early years, watching Russell Wilson up here in Seattle, he had to do so much to make up for other things. And you know what? Like, I just think NFL defenses are going to eventually figure that out and expose those little weaknesses, those little vulnerabilities that you have. They're going to figure it out. You know, and you, you can't, like, you can't out-athleticize an NFL defense. You know, as great as Josh Allen is, the arm, the legs, everything, he, he's not going to do it against some of these top defenses. And, 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 by the way, I'll throw Denver in there. I still think they're a really good defense, and they look like they got their feet yeah. underneath them. I know it's a different, you know, whole different piece there. But uh, that Broncos team looked impressive to me. And uh, yeah. I still wanted to say I think they should get back to the run a little bit. Quit putting the weight of the world on Josh Allen. You know, between Murray and, and Cook, I mean, you know, I'm actually a James Cook owner in fantasy, I'm, you know, and I'm like, this guy puts up, like, super efficient numbers. He'll have, like, 12 carries for 107 yards and no tuds. Yeah, it, doesn't, it almost doesn't make sense. I say feed him. Feed Latavius Murray. And if you want to, you know, incorporate some of these outside backs, I think they got Leonard Fournette and a couple of guys. Like, get back to that run game, and that's something you can build upon. But, you know, as I said earlier, I don't like the culture of firing people midseason, especially when they have a legit yeah. chance to still make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sean McDermott, you know, I, I, I said this, and, you know, I was talking to another buddy of mine. I, I, I think the offensive coordinator was the fall guy. Sean McDermott said today, uh, you know, after the firing that a change was needed. Um, and, again, to, to, to break the news this point, you know, Josh Allen is putting the ball in harm's way, period. Whether, you know, the play call was erratic. I have a Buffalo Bills fan I'll talk to on a regular basis, and he said the play calling was, was wrong. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can, go back and watch, I, I can go back and watch the All-22, and I do see Stephon Diggs and, you know, Gabe Davis running free, and I do see a couple other things that were schemed up to, to – to success, but ultimately when you lose in the manner in which they've lost and when you turn the ball over in which the manner in which you turn the ball over, um, you know, again, I think the onus is on the players and especially in this particular situation when you've had the number one ranked offense and you've had you, – you, you've gone to the playoffs and, again, to, to your point, Robert, you know what I'm saying, they, they're still in contention for the division and subsequently – you know, the playoffs, I mean, they, they did beat the Miami Dolphins, the team that they are chasing in the AFC East right now. So, um, again, I think, I think it falls solely on the shoulders of Josh Allen and, and, and him not protecting the football. So, we will see what, what it looks like. I mean, again, they, they got the Jets this week, a team that they lost to week one, a team that has a very, very, very stingy and very, very hard defense. Um, so, it's going to be fun to see how that all plays out. Um, I wanted to go ahead and pivot, if you will, since I do uh, have a Seattle Seahawks fan in the building. I actually live, uh, Robert, in Metro D.C. area. I am not 
a Commanders fan. I'm actually from Pittsburgh, born and raised there. But <laughs> your Seattle, your, your Seattle Seahawks, um, yeah, about that. Your Seattle Seahawks did play the Commanders this weekend. I wanted to see how you thought about it. Hey, man, the Commanders, I, I have not seen a team that is, like, beating teams up on the road, like, more so than the Commanders. I mean, granted, losing them by, like, one score, one field goal, one touchdown. But I am not a fan of the Commanders, but I've, uh, like, kind of been watching them this year. Dude, that team is tough. I don't know what they're fighting for, but they're fighting for something down there in D.C., and I'm excited to see what happens in the next few years if they get that figured out. But, uh, you know, Seattle's the same way. I mean, they're showing results, right? Um, People think if you're not blowing these other teams out, then you're not good. Like, the Eagles are so obvious to be like, yes, I'm an Eagles fan. Like, they are so good. They blow everybody out. You know, Dallas does that within their own division, except for against the Eagles. Uh, For Seattle, we don't do that. Uh, But every single game just feels like a championship game for some reason. And I'm not – you know, I'm not afraid to say that I kind of like that. Like, we all know, like, you could go 10 and 7, like, make it in the playoffs and have a legitimate chance to win. Like, that's kind of how Seattle feels to me. Like, they might upset you, you know, any given Sunday. And um, it won't be because they just blow you out with all the stats and the fantasy points and whatever. They just are, you know, tough. And, and by the way, small shout-out to uh, – Jason Myers, who just was ruthless. I, I literally lived next door to the stadium. The wind was howling. Yeah. It was cold. And, dude, I think he made, like, five field goals and two extra points. I mean, don't even quote me, but everything went in. He didn't miss a single thing all day. And, I mean, that's a, that's a weapon, yeah. you know, going deep into the winter, right, like when it gets cold and windy on the road. Like, I don't know. I like Seattle. I don't know if they're going to win the division, but I think they could very well sneak in, like, on a wild card sort of thing. I wouldn't even want to call it a sneak in. I mean, I think I can make a legitimate case that there are going to be two teams out of that division uh, that, that, that make the playoffs based on how both teams are playing. You know, the, the, the 49ers got back to their winning ways. I'm going to talk, to, talk, talk about them here in a second. But to, to, to bring it back to the Commanders and, and, and the Seahawks game, uh, to answer the initial question, sir, uh, they're all playing for jobs down here because the new ownership has came <laughs> in and, and cleaned and, and clean house. Everybody is talking about how Ron Rivera needs to go, rightfully so. I love the emergence yep. uh, of, Sam, of Sam Howe and Eric Bieniemy is getting that offense moving and grooving, something that they haven't seen for, for quite some time. Uh, Jack Del Rio and his defense is horrible. It's almost damn right deplorable <laughs> what, 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 what these guys are doing on a night-in, night-out basis. Um, so the, 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 there are guys down here that are playing for jobs. They're, they're playing for jobs. And honestly, to be honest with you, sir, um, and, 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 and the rest of the guys here, um, that, was one, that, that was an interesting game to sit back and watch. You know, after my blood pressure, you know, you know stabilized after Great, the yeah. game. It, 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 it was fun to sit back down here and watch because, honestly, I respect the hell out of what Pete Carroll's doing. I love Ken Walker. has him in a lot of fantasy spots. DK Metcalf is a man possessed. Um, and, I, and, again, I, I love the offense of Washington. They have a lot of specific weapons. That game kind of played out in the manner in which I thought, and I thought Seattle would win it um, just because they're at home. And, again, I know the commander's defense the back of my hand. Breaking news, man. I, I'll come over to you, sir, uh, this 
this Washington, you know, Seattle game, you know, was interesting. We'll, we'll say you. Yeah, man. You know what? Um, I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it short on the game because I want to focus specifically on one one person. Um, the the game was super interesting, and and like uh, Bob mentioned, um, you know, Washington has just been a very pesky team on the road. They've played almost everybody they've played, including uh, Philadelphia Tough. They took them to overtime. They're just a very pesky team. But I, I got to tell you, I, and I'm going to start with this. Everybody wants to kill Jack Del Rio, but what do they do? They traded away their two best defensive pieces in Chase Young and Montez Sweat. I mean, you, you, got, you literally have a team right now that was four and five. This falls under the same category as the Bills a team that was four and five going into this game that could have potentially been a a playoff caliber team. What message are you sending to your team that you're going to trade away, you know, all your quote unquote, you know, not all, but a lot of your stars on defense for future assets. Uh, It tells me that Ron Rivera is a lame duck coach. Uh, I think he's a heck of a coach. And as we've seen with Josh McDaniels and the shit show that we saw down there in Vegas, Clearly, Washington is still willing to play for Ron Rivera, clearly. Uh, The other thing that I wanted to talk about is, boys, is it time to finally admit that Sam Howell is actually a a good frigging quarterback? Nobody wants to give this kid his due. Nobody nobody talks about him, yet he's leading the league in, in, in passing yards. He has no running game whatsoever, none. I don't know what happened to Brian Robinson, but apparently he forgot how to run. It looks like It looks like me out there. Uh, geriatrically running around trying to pick up yardage. And, and oh, by the way, for all those people that, that are uh, concerned about Daniel Jones being sacked, Daniel Jones has been sacked 30 times. Guess how many times Sam Howell's been sacked? 47. 47. 47. He is on track right now to shatter the all-time single-season record. So it, if you want to maybe do something for your franchise, I, I think this kid is actually worth a hill of beans. I don't know, maybe protect him. Maybe max protect. Maybe don't send your tight end out because your tight ends can't catch anyways. Maybe protect uh, an an asset you have that uh, you don't seem to really care about. But, I mean, you look at what this kid's done and the numbers he's put up. um, He's tops in the league in attempts, which is not something you would expect from a rookie. I'm going to call him a rookie because he only had a couple games before this year, still completing 66% of his passes. Um, I just, I don't feel like they put him in the best spot to succeed, but I feel like he's proven that he can be that franchise type guy. And you know what? I hope that he gets a legitimate opportunity because I think when you, when you consider the fact of who, um, who the, 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 the commanders, almost, almost said the Redskins, who the commanders have played, they played uh, the Eagles twice. They've played Seattle. They've played some really good teams, and uh, they've kept it close. And you know what? He's still leading the league in passing yards and attempts and 60, almost 67% completion, 17 passing touchdowns, second in the league in passing touchdowns. Like, I think the kid deserves to have a little bit of clout associated with his name. And can we please, for the love of God, protect Sam Howell? 47 sacks through 10 games. I don't think he'll make it 17 at this rate. You know, it's funny you mentioned the protection of Sam Howell. Again, you guys know where I stand. Rest my head. 
you know, Eric Bieniemy and Ron Rivera have routinely been asked this question about the protection of Sam Howell. And the thing that drives fans crazy and the thing that drives me as, as, as a sports analyst and, you know, someone who loves the game as much as I do crazy is the fact that they kind of brush it off as if it's nothing. Like, they, Eric Bieniemy said, oh, really, he's been sacked that much? Like, what, what do you mean, dog? Like, this man has been sacked 47 times as, as we get ready for week 11. Um, and, I, again, I, I just I, – I don't get it. But, yeah, to your point, Sam Howell is him. You know what I'm saying? He's doing his thing, you know, and his thing. I, I, I think this is the Bieniemy effect, you know what I'm saying, because under the previous offensive coordinator, although he didn't get a really a legitimate opportunity – um, you know, Eric Bieniemy can 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 style uh, offense. You said this a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the Kansas City Chiefs offensive woes. You know, what I'm saying there's a whole new play caller in Kansas City, and Kansas City's not slinging the ball all over the yard and doing what they used to do. I mean, they're still mm-hmm. winning, but you know, Bieniemy was the mastermind, in my opinion, of that offense. And you see him here in Washington. Sam Howell leads the league in passes completed, passes attempts, passes yards. Um, he leads, I mean, he, he, across the board, he, he's leading the league in, in all these statistical categories. Um, so I, 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 I tip my cap to him. Mr. Harvey, I'll come to you next, man. This, um, this, this, this Washington Commanders, um, Washington Commanders Seattle game was, was interesting. Um, I know you was frustrated with football after you watched what you watched, and we'll get to you in here in a second. But what say you about this, uh, this this Washington Commanders game as it unfolded on Sunday. I'll be honest with you. There were so many games that I kind of thought was a foregone conclusion. I feel that the Seahawks are going to win this game. And I didn't really think uh, twice about it. And with stuff going on the last couple of days, haven't really stopped to. Uh, that's one of the few games I haven't read about because didn't have really anybody in that game. So I'm not gonna waste. Uh, I'm not gonna waste time speaking on it. <laughs> Other than uh, it's weird to see. I hope they know what they're doing because if they're not paying money for two pass rushers, they better be able to get more. And, and what are they gonna turn those picks into? Like that's. Uh, What's the big picture? Washington has never seemed to really have an answer to that. So good luck. Uh, I, I just don't see it right now. And and, and that, that's the thing, honestly, I wanted to kind of mention, a breaking news mentioned it. It's not like the Washington Commanders were, you know, stopping the world and, and a top 10 defense with Chase Young and, and Montez Sweat there. They were still definitely near the bottom. Of, of the league and, and, and everything, every statistical category. Um, so, again, since I, I, mean, I get your point when, when, when you come in and you trade those guys. Um, it, it's, it's something that, you know, you kind of send, um, you know, a, a, a shockwave throughout the building. Um, but ultimately, man, it, it, it's crazy, man. Call the numbers 929-477-2759. Uh, locking over the Sports City Chefs. Um, I wanted to change gears. Um, the the Central 49ers were on a three-game skid. They got they got a bye week and they got back right. 
um, and I wanted to, to kind of talk a little bit about it. Um, you know, they beat the Brinks off the Jacksonville beat about 31 points. Uh, breaking news. Um, seems like all your pieces came back and you guys are ready to play ball, man. What say you about what happened um, on Sunday night with the Jacksonville Jaguars? Listen, I, I don't – I mean, obviously I'm happy with the win, but, but the Niners right now are Dr. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um, and I say that meaning uh, on any given Sunday, they are by far the best team in the NFL. They would literally beat the brakes off anybody. Jacksonville came into that game 6-2 and two on a five-game win streak, was the hottest team in the league, and literally played at a 10 a.m. start time West Coast, which means it's an early start time for a West Coast team, which you all know is, is a death sentence when you, ha- when you travel east played in Jacksonville at one of the hottest team stadiums in the entire leagues and, and beat them by 31. Um, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, like the Niners could literally beat anyone in the league by 30, and then they could turn around and lose to the Broncos by 20. It's, you know, what, what makes a good team good, serious, is consistency. And what I, what I need to see from the Niners is consistency. I saw – some power rankings from some knuckleheads over at CBS Sports that put the Niners back at number one. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't overreact. Listen, I love the Niners. You know that. I've, I've been there. I've been on this show pounding the fi- my fist when they were 1-11 and and they were playing a you know 10-1 and team saying, this is going to be the week that we win and, you know, every week. But I'm also a realist. And the, the Niners lack the consistency – that these top tier teams do. I mean, the bottom line is like, you look at a team like Baltimore that just lost. I think Baltimore has a bigger claim right now to being the number one overall seed. If you were doing power rankings, just based off their consistency and their consistent performance, teams like Philadelphia, their consistency, it ain't always pretty. Yeah. They they go into overtime. Yeah. They're close games But the bottom line is they win. So, I say all that just to say, you know what? This was a huge win for the Niners. It really was. And you know what? I, I will tell you, you know what, what I'm most excited about? I was wondering how the Chase Young effect would be. Boys, it, it's going to be ugly for opposing quarterbacks. I'm just going to let you know right now, Trevor Lawrence is actually um, a fairly good quarterback when it comes to, uh, like, I'm not going to say avoiding, but, like, not getting hammered by sacks. Uh, going into that game yesterday, he was only sacked 19 times on the entire year, uh, and he got sacked five times, five times on Sunday. And to be honest with you, there could have been two or three more. I'm sure you guys saw the highlight and saw the one where Nick Bosa grabbed his legs and he kind of flipped the ball and it ended up being an interception. There was one where he got hammered right as he was releasing that Fred Warner picked off. I mean, that defensive line was all over Trevor Lawrence the entire game. Travis Etienne had less than 40 yards rushing. The bottom line is the defense got back to doing what the defense does well, and kudos to Steve Wilkes, who got absolutely crucified in the media. He made some adjustments. I wouldn't expect the average fan to notice, but rather than playing the soft-shell defense where he had the, the defenders off five, six, seven yards, he put those guys man up, bump and run, basically basic coverage to give that D-line 
a little extra time to get home, and I really think it made the difference. Yeah, you know what? We're going to have to live with some of the holding penalties, but when you put that defender right in the face uh, of that offensive player, it makes it a whole lot harder to complete, you know, the bubble screens, to complete the quick slants. And I think the quarterback having to hold it just that extra half a hitch, I think really made all the difference. Um, the only only negative that came out of the game, honestly, is Christian McCaffrey not scoring the touchdown. Uh, he tied the all-time record with Lenny Moore at 17, was unable to break the record. Um, outside of that, I mean, honestly, it was a, a picture-perfect performance both offensively and defensively. The Jags are a very gifted offensive team. To hold them to three points uh, and no points in the second half, I mean, couldn't be prouder of the, uh, of, the, of the team. But as you guys know, they have some really big tests coming up in the next four weeks. They play the Seahawks twice. They play Philadelphia. We're going to learn a lot more about this team moving forward. Definitely, definitely, man. And, and, yeah. I'm, I'm going to shoot you straight, man. I, I was very, very, very impressed with the way they responded. Uh, Mr. Harvey, I'll come to you here in a second, buddy. Um, I was very, very impressed with the way they responded um, after, you know, getting their butts kicked three weeks in a row and then having an additional week um, to kind of stew. So it's been a month, if you will, um, since the 49ers, you know, got a win. And so um, for, for them to come out, angrily the way they did uh, and put it to a very game Jacksonville Jaguars team was spectacular. Mr. Harvey, talk to me, man. This 49ers uh, Jacksonville game kind of went the way everybody thought it would. Um, anything stand out to you about it or did you not just want yeah. to pay attention to? Yeah, you said you can't – some people, you can't go back and imagine this because of one week and whatever. <laughs> It's different. I never stopped thinking this team wasn't a great team. It's hard to go undefeated. And listen, the difference is Trent Williams and Samuel were on the field. And when you look at, you know, that left tackle, that presence, what he does protecting that side, what Devo gives you, I mean, that is, uh, you know, what it does even for everybody else on on the field. That offense is different when those guys are there. And uh, we we know about what a good defensive team that is. So that that's one of the best teams in the league when they're playing right. I mean, not every team does play right anymore. Whoever you want to call the best team in the league, you tell me one, and I'll show you uh, a bad game this year, multiple if you want me to. How, how much time you got? Like, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I definitely wanted to get Robert's opinion on it. I mean, again, he's out there um, in, in that area. I mean, really good uh, friends, brother, blood, whatever, with, with, with knucklehead breaking news, man. This 49er team is a problem, sir. You see him a couple times coming up here in a couple weeks, man. What say you about how they put it to the, um, put it to the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars this past week? Hey, listen, man. I wanted to give a shout-out to old people. I just got AirPods, little uh, retirement gift to myself. I didn't realize that every single time <laughs> that the right bud starts to fall out and I touch it to correct it a little bit, you it actually <laughs> it. I hung up on the show 17 times, my brother, and thank you for inviting me back on every single time. That's, so uh, I think I have a birth defect. That is old people problems right there. I think I, I think I have a birth defect in that right ear. 
The left one is sitting there perfectly. <laughs> left one loves oh, it. Dear, the right God one just falls out. You just made my night. Yeah, my, so my, 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 my friend just told me, he goes, hey, they have different inserts you can put in those. Okay. Well, I'm learning one step at a time, guys. But <laughs> we're, we're talking about the... <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the 49ers still, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you know what it looks like? It looks like, you know, and, and like, forgive me when I say this, it, it looks like, like Pompey's legions back in the day. Like, they were the most powerful, experienced legions, and he was the most respected general in all of Rome because they knew at any moment he could raise this legion of just absolute monsters, and they could crush you that fast. Like, dude, that's kind of how they feel. I know that seems melodramatic, but they feel that way. But, again, in order to keep an army going, in order to keep them motivated like that and keep them focused, really, because they have so much talent, I mean, you just watch them on prime time, guys. I mean, I'm a Seattle. I live next to the stadium, you know, season ticket holder. They scare the shit out of us, sure. We kind of, like, I kind of go, like, well, the 49ers own this, and we're going to try to sneak in on a wild card. And by the way, if anyone can beat them, might be the Seahawks. So I'm throwing that out for my, you know, all my folks here in Seattle. But uh, let me tell you something. They have all the talent in the world. I guess how do you keep that thing focused? That's a really tough head coaching job. And, you know, sometimes Shanahan's such an offensive guru, he might forget some of the subtleties of generalship, you know, that, you know, someone like a Bill Belichick or, or one of them, you know, or, or, or um, sorry, who was it in the 80s? Help me out. Uh, in the Niners there. I mean, that's the type of leadership Walsh, that they're going to need to stay focused. Bill Walsh. Sorry, sorry. I, I totally had a brain fart. The great Bill Walsh. I mean, that, that's the kind of thing they need. I'm not saying he doesn't have that. I'm just saying, man, when I look at teams that can absolutely dominate any given Sunday, that is them. Uh, what gets them a Super Bowl, right? And... Um, I hope that they have it. Like, I'm a huge fan of West Coast sports, you know, NFC West especially being a really dominant division. We got prime time Thanksgiving this year. Like, I hope we yeah. do not disappoint. You know, I hope it's great. But um, that's what they look like. Just, just, just like, you know, Brian said there. I mean, you know, it looks like a team that can beat anybody and lose to almost anybody in, in some weird-ass way, like – you know, they might be like 11 and 6, and their losses will be against, like, the Bears and the, you know, Fal- and don't quote me on this. It's just like those mm-hmm. random games where maybe they were looking forward beyond that. And, mm-hmm. you know, you just hope they don't take that in the playoffs. So, like, that's the unique challenge they have. It is not, hey, are we good enough? It is like, how do we make sure we don't get ahead of ourselves here? And, you know, I hope right. there are people in the building for that. Well, I mean, history has shown us that that Shanahan uh, can can coach his tail off, and he tends to get, you know, his teams into the playoffs, and they and they do make decent runs. So, I'm honestly expecting this 49ers team to to to, to at least go on a, on a significant run. Um, again, they have the pieces at, on all three levels. You go out and you bring in. Uh, Chase Young, who just solidifies a, another side of the defense. Uh, you pair him with Bosa, which were their college teammates at Ohio State. Um, you got Purdy, who seems to be as healthy as he's been um, for for a while. Trent Williams is back. Ayuk is running. Debo is running. 
Um, the, I, I, I think the biggest undoing for the 49ers, and again, Brian, Brian you could correct me if I'm wrong, is going to end up being their secondary because they're so significantly young in that department. Um, so if your offensive line is able to, you know, block the initial pressure, if you will, um, you may be able to exploit some right. things in that secondary. But, again, uh, on, on I don't think that's side, actually the – I don't think that's the biggest weakness, believe it or not, serious. And I think you're going to see here in the next few games what that weakness is. But I actually don't think the secondary is going to be as big of an issue as people make it out. We're getting, we're getting two players back from IR in the next few weeks. Um, the biggest issue we have right now is the slot corner. The Niners' biggest issue is their offensive line, specifically the yeah. right side of the offensive line. And when we play teams like Philadelphia – who actually can match up and has uh, a dominant defensive line, uh, or even Seattle after after the trade mm-hmm. with Leonard Williams. Um, you know, yeah. when you play teams like that that can match up and, and guys that you may have to double team, I think that that's when you're going to see some of the problems because some of these routes that take, you know, that are more uh, combination-type routes that Shanahan likes to call. You see, I mean, Brock Purdy leads the league in air yards which is funny for a guy that has a pea shooter. But the reason for that is because that's Shanahan's system. They throw a lot of intermediate passes, a lot of 15 to 20 yards down the field. And in order to be able to do that, you have to block well up front. I mean, I know it was miserable with conditions, but go back and look at the game against Cleveland and look at what Cleveland did, especially right up the middle. Um, and that just shows you, it magnifies what that deficiency was, even with Trent yeah. Williams, because he was in that game and neutralized Miles Garrett pretty much the entire game. The rest of that D line was still able to wreak havoc, uh, especially in the middle of that line. Right. And I think that that's going to be the Niners' biggest issue and what they're going to need to address moving forward is, and I, and I hear what you're saying about the, the secondary. I think the mm-hmm. secondary is actually pretty solid, especially with that defensive front. You just don't have the time to throw like you would like. Uh, I, I think that offensive line is going to be our Achilles heel, and Brock Purdy is going to have to get that ball out quickly. But I think you know, that, talk- but real quick, can I go? Right, 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 right. Yeah, I, I think that's why it's key to have Trent Williams on the left side because of what he does. And then you can figure out other things, but that's why I'm missing Samuel as such a uh, tough thing because of how physical he is at receiver. When you have him and Kittle, who even though he's going to, you know, get his yards, is physical at the tight end position when he's on the field as well. And so they can cheat and try to make up for some of that. But that's, to me, Samuels, even though Ayuk is explosive and can take the top off at times, Samuels is a bigger loss than than even having Ayuk or something. It's not like it's just a, a receiver. It's a guy that does, you know, everything well. So I think having him back in the fold too – uh, makes a huge difference, yeah. and this team was right there in, in in those games that they lost for the most part. So it's not like they were getting blown off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, their doors wasn't getting blown off there. And so I mean, again, a, a play here, a play there, uh, a missed field goal there, um, and you know, this is a, a team that you know is competing with the with the Eagles for you know top spot in the NFC as we currently sit here. But I I I I save the the Saints game uh, for for last because I'm pretty sure my man's about to go off 
Um, there's a lot to unpack in, 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 you know, in New Orleans from on-field stuff to off-field stuff to concussions, you know, this, that, and the third. I never really say this, but I, I don't think a buy uh, could have come at a better time for a team than this New Orleans Saints team that, that seems to be just question marks all over the place. Uh, you lose to the Minnesota Vikings. And to be honest with you, I don't think the score is really indicative uh, on how bad this game really was for the Saints because I actually sat there and watched it a little bit. But I wanted to give you an opportunity, Mr. Harvey, to, to talk about it. Uh, what the hell happened uh, versus the Vikings this past week? Uh, first of all, let me just say, this is a mediocre football team who has all their wins against teams with losing records. And in the only two games they've played against winning teams have not led a single second in those ball games. That being said, terrible start which for some reason has happened a lot uh, to this team lately. And I think part of it goes to scripting plays and having playmakers on the field and whatever else and feeling guys out, like, and this team's making plays. Um, and they've given up their plays. But the offense hasn't done anything to help them until later in the game, and that's part of the trigger having come alive, right? And, like, um, the end of the day, this team has played a the easiest schedule in the league, and they're 5-5. Five and five. But because they play in, like, a non-power five, they have the chance to make the playoffs. Um, and you're right. A bye couldn't have come at a better time. Hopefully, Lattimore is not that banged up. That defense is still really good. With him and Paulson and Depot and Matthew and Marcus May and Jordan Houghton, the kids from Minnesota, with those guys in the in the backfield, and still Demario Davis and – with what they're getting from uh, young guys in that line. Like, I, I, I love the talent on the defensive side of the football. Um, offensively, they're still a mess. And that offense doesn't work. You know, Buffalo let their offensive coordinator go, and they hired Joe Brady, who had the Saints background, was the offensive coordinator at LSU. Uh, in that 2019 season. Then Leona was the offensive coordinator at Carolina. Now uh, he was quarterback's coach or receiver's coach or something in in Buffalo. So they're giving him the offensive coordinator position, probably trying to install a game where more of a precise passing game. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, but uh, he's more qualified to call plays than Pete Carmichael. He didn't call plays for years and years and years. And, I mean, at the end of the day, it's still a vanilla offense that can still execute. And because they have a defense, can compete in any game that they play. Uh, but it, it, it's, not a, it's, it's not a good football team. It's, it's very, very mediocre. It's not like paper bag days. It's not, uh, you know, it, we do play in a weak division, but I still, like, I think the Joe famous Jim Laura quote, like, you know, Jim Laura was given quotes in New Orleans years before he ever said playoffs, right? Like, because, uh, you know, that's where he uh, started his career. So, uh, 
I mean, this is a average football team. They have talent, but Mike Thomas is hurt. We don't know how bad he may be gone for the year. Uh, they still have some guys in the position, though, and, uh, you know, they've had some injuries on the line, too. So they haven't been a good football team, and they haven't performed. Uh, but they found a way to, to scratch themselves back in any game. Keep in mind, it was a one-score game, and the quarterback threw two interceptions late. Well, how did you convert one of them? It's a tie game. Still got a chance maybe later with a field goal. To, you know what I mean? You never know uh, what happens. Another missed field goal here. It's very close, but, like, that's what uh, that's what mediocre football teams do. They scratch out ugly wins. And they just kind of teeter on the edge week in and week out. And this team went to uh, Minneapolis and uh, they laid a dud. It was good to see Jameis make a couple good throws, but still at the end of the day, I mean, uh, they they failed to get it done. And it's happened uh, lots of times in my lifetime. And uh, I fear, you know, I, I fear for the rest of this uh, season right now. Hopefully after a bye week I'll be rejuvenated a little bit, but I'm uh, <laughs> I'm discouraged as a Saints fan right now. Uh, shame on you, Dennis Allen. Uh, Pete Carmichael can't call plays. Uh, Derek Carr, like you need to get it together too. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's bad right now, and uh, you know I'm still black and gold. I'm still going to support. No, yeah, right? but oh yeah, but that's what it is. You know what? It, it, it's funny because again, this was a game I had a, I, I paid attention to for fantasy football purposes. Um, you know, I, why? Or again, you may be able to you know help me with this better than anybody. Why are they struggling getting Olave going? Like, I, like good teams come out and they feed their number one guy. Like, you already know going into the game that Stephon Davis is getting at least 15 targets. Five of them will probably come on the first series and a half. Uh, AJ, AJ Brown, I mean, Tyreek Hill. Like, wh- wh- why are they struggling getting Olave going? I'll give you the answer, but it sounds like an excuse when it's not. They don't have the offensive line to hold up, and they don't trust it. They hadn't been throwing the ball down the field, and at times quarterback receivers haven't been on the same uh, page, but he's made some catches. At times there's been a few drops. There's been some overthrows. There have been plays to have been, to be made, uh, right? And uh, he's made his presence felt at times for this team. So um, some of it's on the quarterback. Some of it's on uh, learning each other, things that you would have thought uh, would have been learned. But some of it is the line not being able to block it up and them not having faith to. So, like, their passing game consisted on, oh, no, they're about to get me. I'm going to throw it to Alvin Camaro, who's, like, two yards away from me. He's going to catch it, and those guys who are about to get me are now going to get him. Can he get a step on him and maybe take off? If he does, he'll get about seven, ten yards, or you know maybe more if he makes one guy miss. If he doesn't, then he's going to get tackled and send me, and I get to get, take the next snap, and we gain one yard, and we go back and try again. Yeah, I mean, it baffles me sitting here watching these Saints games. Um, you know, I, again, I wanted to throw it around. 
uh, breaking news, man, the, the Saints team uh, lost a, a very, very interesting game to the Minnesota Vikings, a team that uh, nobody's really talking about right now, and, and, and may, maybe they should, you know. Um, you know, they went out and got Josh Dobbs and haven't skipped a beat one five straight. Um, but, you know, talk to you about what you saw watching this game, man. It, it was definitely interesting um, how this one unfolded. Well, let me let me just start off by saying, and I am going to talk about this game, but, but two or three weeks ago when I said, hey, the trade deadline is coming, who did I say that the Jets should trade for? Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs. Imagine how different that that Jets team would look. And I understand I hear all the reports about Aaron Rodgers coming back in three or four weeks. But imagine how different that team would be with Josh Dobbs. I'm sorry. I mean, the guy didn't even know didn't even know the other players, didn't know their names. The the center was trying to take practice snaps on the sideline to to get down the cadence from the quarterback. To go 23 for 34, 268, and protect the ball and get a tutty, huge ups to him, um, huge ups to, to Josh Dobbs. And you know what, Hawkinson with a monster game, 11 catches, 134 yards, and a touchdown, fine and dandy. And as as you mentioned, the, the Vikings are back. I don't know what they did. I don't know how they figured it out. But they've strung together, I believe it's five in a row now, and they look like a monster. They really do. They look really good. A couple key stats from this game. This was the first time all year long we've been talking about how good New Orleans defense is and the offense keep letting them down. This is the first time all season that New Orleans has given up 21 points or more in a quarter, and they did that in the second quarter versus uh, New Orleans. Minnesota did. They were up 24-3 at half. I think the bye couldn't have came at a better time because I think the defense is getting tired, and the stats back that up. If you look at the first five, six weeks of this season, New Orleans only had one game where they gave up more than 20 points. This defense was stifling. They were all over opponents. Three of the last four weeks, they've given up 27 points or more. This team cannot win if their defense gives up 30 points. The offense, even though they have guys – like Kamara and Alave, this this offense through play calling and other variations are not designed to score 30 points. It's very much, and I'm sure Harvey, Mike would agree, it's very much a ball control offense, which is the reason why you see Alvin Kamara with so many catches. I remember that one week he had something ridiculous like 16 catches and he averaged like 2.1 yards per catch. Like, this yeah, is they, a ball control offense. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very much a ball control offense, and they rely on their defense because they realize their best unit is their defense. So in that aspect, Sirius, I would say that the bye came at the perfect time for New Orleans because to me what it looks like is the D has been spending maybe a little bit too much time on the field, and they're starting to wear down slightly. They went from being a team giving up on average about 16 points a game to about 24 points a game, 26 points a game over the course of the last four games. And like I said, 27 points or more in three of the last four. So that's the first thing. The other thing I'm going to say is probably not going to be super popular, 
but I'm going to say it anyways. I know it sucks you spent all this money on Derek Carr. Just in the very brief window that I saw, I feel like the offense is more efficient and moves better with Jameis Winston at quarterback. I really do. I It, it looks the eyeball test says the offense, unless they just completely call a different set of plays, the eyeball test says this is a better offensive team when Jameis Winston is at the helm. Does the two interceptions suck? Absolutely. But you know what? You don't get that back corner fade touchdown that he made in the back right corner of the end zone if you don't take chances. That's what Jameis Winston does. And you know what? I think that the Saints need a little bit of that. You can't play it safe all the time. You can't be check down Charlie and Alvin Kamara have 18 catches for 18 yards. Um, if this team is going to make a run, the offense is going to need to consistently score 24 to 28 points. And right now they're struggling to crack 20 every week. Uh, Derek Carr has gotten beat up consistently. I feel like, you know, just watching the player he once was with the player that he is now, I almost feel a small resemblance to uh, how Alex Smith used to play before he got to Kansas City. He plays very conservatively, like he's almost afraid to turn the ball over. And and you know, if you look at if you look at the way that that plays out, he's only thrown four picks on the year. So I mean, that he's doing a great and phenomenal job there. But on the other hand, he's only thrown 10 touchdowns. And if you look at where 10 touchdowns ranks him uh, of the, the 32 starting uh, quarterbacks, all I'm going to tell you is it ain't in the top half. <laughs> so, I mean, for, for example, Justin Fields and Josh Dobbs, you know, the guy that, that they just got to replace Kirk Cousins, the backup to the backup, they have 11. So I'm just throwing it out there just to kind of for perspective purposes. So I think part of the problem is the offensive playbook needs to get opened up more. And you know what? you got to just live with the fact that if you lose, you lose. But you have guys like Olave. Uh, you you have uh, – uh, oh, my God, I can't remember that other kid's name. Who The, the, the speedster on your team uh, – the speedster on your team, Mike, who is it? Rasheed something? Rasheed Shaheed. There you go. They have they have weapons. The problem is they're not using these weapons accordingly. And you look at a guy like Michael Thomas, which I understand he's a knucklehead. He got in trouble last week. He hasn't caught a pass in like three weeks. Like, go back and look at his reception totals. He's had like one or two receptions in three weeks. Like, they need to learn how to distribute the ball, and they need to learn how to push the ball down the field. Like, one week of no check down Charlie – and if you're going to check it down, make it a design screen. So at least Kamara has blockers out in front. Like they need to come up with a, a actual NFL offensive game plan that is worthy of right. the defensive performances that they have continually gotten from the defense. The defense is getting tired and it's showing up. If this team is going to have a resurgence, it's going to have to happen on the offense because the defense has got to see something from this offense. That's very, very well said. Um, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, I've, I've spoken about in, in, in other circles, but I do have a, a, a resident Saints fan here, and I wanted to bring it to him. Um, 
you know, Dennis Allen's a defensive minded coach. Um, you know, again, we can all see it. So I know they can all see it. Um, again, is, is, is the issue simply the offensive line or, again, play calling no, Parkman? Yes, yes. Uh, I mean, offensive line, play calling scheme, system, uh, yes, yes, and yes. Um, he's right. Need to open it up. And to me, if Davis is interception to make 30, 40 yards down the field, and they act as a punt, and he makes some other throws that other people can't make. You can live with those. Yeah, take chances. Like, uh, I, you know, I, I agree with that, but I, I think the, the whole playbook needs to be up there. Because here's the thing. Derek Carr can make the throws. I mean, listen, on some of the plays that he's made to Shaheed, when Shaheed's got down the field, I put it right where it's supposed to be. So I think it's a system. And I don't know if Carr's that guy, though. Like, I, I have plenty of buyer's remorse, right? And so you start wondering if it's not the answer, how soon or how you get out of the contract. Um, but let me ask you a question, and I'm going to tie this to something else. So here you go. I, I want a uh, short answer in one sentence. Would you rather be the Saints stuck with the Derek Carr contract? Or the Giants stuck with Daniel Jones? Is there a plan C? No, not as we know. It is being concocted right now, but no. <laughs> Honestly, to be honest with you, um, Fudge, ah. Uh, that's Sophie's choice all over again, dog. I I I don't even know how to answer that question. I mean, for all intents and purposes, I I I think I would be the Saints with Carr. You know, because I mean, there is some resemblance of solid quarterback play uh, from a Derek Carr, even though he chucked it down or whatever the case may be. Um, the Saints have a lot more weapons. I think they have a a a, a halfway decent coach. <laughs> Uh, but ultimately, with what I'm seeing out of Danny, Danny, Daniel Jones and the Giants and Dable, that whole song and dance, um, that's a uh, we, we can do two hours on that alone. Uh, and so let, let me let me finish my answer with one more statement. I, I really like Dennis Allen's defensive mind. I think he's a really good defensive coordinator, uh, and. Listen, he concocted some really good game plans to beat uh, Tom Brady and, and made him look foolish at times. I mean, and uh, some of that is because of the defensive mind of uh, Dennis Allen. So I, I can't take that away from him at all. But um, if it's not – I don't know that he's a head coach. I'm not impressed with what his defense is uh, uh, so early at times, but I think uh, breaking news is right. They're tired. But I, I don't think he's the right guy for this franchise. And I think nowadays in the NFL, you got to have an offensive minded coach. If you hey, don't, serious, you gotta I got a, I got a, I got a quick topic for you guys. Not to change subject, but I think it's important. I just got yeah. a, uh, I just got a text from a Cowboys fan uh, that's listening in. 
and he wants to know what is everybody's opinion. Just a, a quick one, because it's kind of a long question. Quick one-word answer, either top three, top five, top ten, or outside the top ten. I'll start with you, Sirius. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts in the top ten, either way. He's top ten? Yeah. Okay, so outside the top five, but in the top ten. Uh, no, I think, I, I, think he's the, I think he's in the top five. Okay, top five. Beautiful. Harvey, yeah. top five top, or top three, top five, top ten, or outside the top ten for Jalen Hurts? Uh, at least top five. Like, I mean, I, I think my home first, and then I got to really think of who my my two and three are and exactly how they fall. Yeah, that's but, where I'm at. Uh, yeah, I mean, possibly top three uh, right now, but uh, because of what else he does, but top five. You take him or the money right. Robert, I'm going to come back to that because I want to give this guy his, his question because he is listening. Robert, Jalen Hurts, top three, top five, or top ten? He's a top three quarterback and leader, 100%. I I, I feel like what we've seen is like a limited Jalen Hurts. I almost feel like they're like literally like they got the reins on him a little bit. Like he even looks that way. He looks like a dog that's like, hey, I'm I'm here with the front office. I know what we're trying to do, and I'm I'm, I'm here with the coaches. We're going to manage the game, and I'm only going to do enough to win. But I think you turn that guy loose, he's pretty scary. All right, I'm coming. I'm going to come right back to you, Dak Prescott. Top three, top five, top ten, or outside the top ten. That's me again. Yep. Dak Prescott is older, and we we must realize that. But there is knowledge and wisdom and being a little bit older, and you know, having. By the way. There's knowledge in having failed in some of those you situations. You need, listen, and, uh, everybody yeah. uses, not to cut you off, Robert. They don't forget everybody about Everybody uses that. the age thing. <laughs> everybody uses the age thing. I'm saying, look at this is the way I rank my top ten quarterbacks. You made the Super Bowl. You get to no, choose any of the current NFL starting quarterbacks. Football. Right. You get to choose any of these guys to win one game for you. Is he a top three, top five, top ten, or outside the top ten for you? In that perspective, I would give, still give him a top ten. Okay, beautiful, Mike. I'm going to come over to you real quick because, like I said, and then we're going to we're going to talk about this. Top three, top five, top ten, or outside the top ten for you, Mike? For Dak Prescott, is that the question? Yes, sir. Um, so I'd say maybe top ten. Um, maybe top ten. He's definitely not, he's okay. not top five to me, and I'd have okay. to think about it. Okay, serious. Last one to you, and then I'm going to start with you, serious. Top three, yeah. top five, top ten, or outside the top ten on deck? We're talking about this year here, or just in general? No, no, no. I'm just saying, look at, take everybody wants mm. to say this year or he's older. I'm saying mm. right now, you got you got to have a quarterback. You're trying to win a Super Bowl. Listen, you're yeah. going through your list. I think we all have Mahomes one, but like, where does Dak fall on that list? Is he top three, top five, top ten, outside the top ten? Uh, he's outside the top ten for me. Okay, so here's a question, and I find this interesting, and he, and he has facts to back this up. 
He said, everywhere I go, everybody talks about Jalen Hurts being this fantastic quarterback, and everybody kills, kills Dak Prescott. However, when you look at the stats, Dak Prescott has more passing yards, a better completion percentage, has thrown for more touchdowns, less interceptions, has a better QB rating, uh, and, and in a lot of ways is asked to do more. I don't know if I agree with that one, but everything else that the guy said perspective-wise is technically true. It's all stats. So with that said, Sirius, why is your perception or why do you think the perception is that Dak is not as good a quarterback as Jalen when the stats tell a different story? I'm glad he asked that question because I actually did a video on this a couple of weeks ago. The issue that I have with Dak Prescott is not so much the fact that he can't make a throw. It's not so much the fact that uh, nine times out of of ten his team doesn't play well. It's that in big moments, in crucial situations, Dak Prescott tends to come up small. I go back to several, Mm -hmm. several playoff games when Dak Prescott has came up small, and it seems like Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, these Joe Burrow, the, the, the guys who I put uh, above him tend to rise to that occasion and play well when it matters the most. Let's keep it a buck. You know what I'm saying? We just, we, we, we just watched Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys to the Philadelphia Eagles, okay? Dak Prescott didn't play well. You know what I'm saying? How many times? How many times mm-hmm. since the 49ers? How many times since the 49ers knocked the, the Cowboys out of the playoffs because of interception after interception or bad bad throw after bad throw? This, that, and the third. Now, again, I understand football is a team game, and you have to win, you know, in all three phases of the football game. But if you look at the statistics based off of how Dak Prescott plays in big moments versus big time competition, mm-hmm. he tends to come up small. Jalen Hurst doesn't. Jalen Hurst has made it to a Super Bowl and damn near beat, damn near beat Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is who he is. Joe Burrow is who he is. They run to that moment. They run to those games. They rise to the level of competition and play well versus them. Dak Prescott, he, they're celebrating beating a, 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 a busted New York Giants football team. Make it make sense to me. Right. No, I got you, brother. I got you. All right, Mike, I'm going to give you a couple seconds. This guy wanted us to talk about this, so appreciate you guys listening in to Sports City Chef on the link that was provided. Uh, Mike, what's your thoughts? Do you kind of agree? Do you have anything to add to that? Because I know you had uh, Prescott rated lower as well. Yeah, I mean, that's why I said I don't uh, – he's outside of his top ten. And so, like, if I really think about it and go through the quarterbacks, I think Mahomes, I think Burrow, I think, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts. I think uh, right now – I mean, I you could put Herbert. You could put Goff. Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch. I mean, <laughs> right, at right, this right, point right now, yeah. the real question is, the real question is, and, and I hope we talk about him before the show's over, you might even be able to put C.J. Stroud there. I, 15 no, and 2. I, I would for sure take C.J. Stroud right now. I, I, I would take him right now as my quarterback over Dak Prescott. Everybody would, especially. I mean, and I understand you said you can't factor in because of age, and I get it. But like, uh, I've seen enough. If I could, you know, year one to like the first three years of Dak's career, I'd take, I'd, I'd take Stroud as my quarterback. 
Like, he's got it. Like, I don't know what it is, really. Like, it's it, but he's got it. So, uh, yeah, so. Robert? I, that's what I'm saying. So, I, I, I would probably think more now outside of my top ten. If he is in there, he barely gets in. That's what I'm saying. I'm going through in my head okay. the guys that I would put before him, before that. All right. Robert, last one. I'm going to let you let you kick this off here. You you also, like the other boys, had Dak rated lower, although you did have him firmly in your top ten. All the metrics, all the stats say Dak is better when you look at yards, ratings, touchdown to interception ratio, completion percentage, all that. Um, do you agree with the guys? I mean, you, you, you said that you do have him rated higher. Why is the perception on Dak that he's – not as good as some of the other kind of elite quarterbacks. You know, I believe the hype. Uh, when you come into the game, like, really young with a lot of hype around you, so many people fail, um, and we don't hear from them again. You know, like, you're uh, – I don't even want to throw out names, but we know exactly what I'm talking about. And it, the truth is not that they weren't capable of leading into greatness. The truth is that they were just, like – perhaps a few years before they were going to achieve that potential. Dak's gotten a chance to mature there. He's gotten enough job security and love around there where, I, dude, I'm just saying, like, I, I don't foresee, like, five more seasons like this, but if there was a season where I thought, like, Dak Prescott could do some real damage and cause some – like, this is it. Like, believe it or not, like, what I see, and it's not just from physical prowess, it's actually from – you know, where I think he's at, he's, he's, he's admitted he's suffered from mental, you know, instabilities in the past, you know, so have I. When you find yourself in a good place, even if it's just for one year or two, I mean, the whole world can look out because he might just shock all of us this year or next year and then perhaps do what we think he's going to do, which is get old like normal human beings. But I think this is here. I'm not saying Super Bowl. I'm not, but – if there was ever a year where he could lead a Cowboys team, like, kind of deep in the playoffs, like, and not get out, like, the first round like he always does, this might be the one. That, that's all I'm saying. And right. I see that in him. I see maturity. Well, Daniel, there you go. It sounds like although Dak, has the pre- the, Dak Prescott has the stats, it sounds like what the boys here in the kitchen are saying is, uh, stats are for nerds. Uh, we're, we're looking for we're looking for hardware. So we need uh, we need W's in the playoffs, man. That's what it all comes down to. Dak needs to win big games, uh, and just like we've said with Brock Purdy, Dak needs to win games, big games when the, when they're down. He needs to be able to take a team, put them on his back, and win when maybe he he shouldn't have. Um, and he needs to rise to the occasion instead of shrinking. And uh, I think Sirius said it perfectly. And, uh, you, you know, we need, you need to see Dak really step up in those primetime moments. And I'll give you another guy that a lot of people probably have in their top ten that I'm leery of as well is Tua Tingle-Baloa. Uh, I, I totally think Tua is the type of quarterback that when things are going well, like you can make an argument he's the best quarterback in the league. But I don't know if he necessarily makes everyone around him a lot better. Um, you know, it, and and I and you know, you guys know I've said this, and I picked against Miami, and they lost. But you take a team that has a ferocious defensive line, and Tua is a different player. 
So there is there is not a lot of guy there is not a lot of Patrick Mahomes in the league. There is not a lot of Tom Brady. There is not a lot of those dogs at the quarterback position because uh I mean let's face it, if most of these guys that are fierce, fiery competitors, they're probably not playing quarterback. Like just keep it real. They're playing middle linebacker, they're playing safety, they're playing defensive end or what have you. But uh definitely appreciate the question. Sorry serious to hijack your show. Back to you, brother. No, not at all, man. I mean, this type of this type of stuff we live for, man. Shout out to uh, your buddy who asked the question. I mean, next time, feel free to call in nine two nine four seven seven two seven five nine. Jump on and rock with us, man. We 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 love to have that type of conversation because you know it, it's funny because you know that Prescott uh, he catches a lot of a, a lot of strays. He catches a lot of uh, a lot of strays, and rightfully so. Um, but again, for for for, for my money. I, I need somebody who rises to the occasion. Mr. Harvey, talk to me real quick. Yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, uh, the price of fame. You know, they say, and then the, the other thing that I, I mean, the, the difference in being the Dallas Cowboys uh, quarterback too. But that being said, like he's got the weapons now. If they can, if they can produce enough in the running game, uh, like anybody that w- want to argue the fact that CeeDee Lamb's the legit number one receiver in the NFL, always. Uh, if you really want to dispute that. And, you know, with Brandon Cooks and other guys on the field, uh, he has guys to get the ball to. And so the opportunity is there for him to step up and do that. Will he? I, you know, the odds don't, uh, the, you know, the odds don't favor it. But, I mean, the opportunity is there to do it. Uh, they, they've got, in, in some ways, other than the running back position, uh, they've got more weapons in the passing game in a lot of ways than they've had in a while when you look at what they can do. I think. Well, we'll learn a lot about this uh, this Dallas Cowboy team coming up. Uh, they got the Panthers, the Commanders, Seattle, Philly, Buffalo, Miami, Detroit. <laughs> so we're gonna learn a lot about this Cowboy team coming up, and you know what they what they're gonna be able to do. I do expect um, them to potentially be another wild card spot, but I, I, I digress. They could, drop, they could drop two of those and still be fine as a wild card. I mean, unfortunately, depending upon how you splice it, we, you know, they, they do play in, in the NFC, and I, I think is the easier conference to, to, to get into the playoffs in. Um, but, again, I, I digress. Man, we are at the tail end of the show. I wanted to give everybody a, an opportunity uh, to, to give their plugs and close out. Robert, man, thanks so much for coming by and kicking with us, sir. Feel free to stop by at any time. Give us a plug and a close out, anything like to promote before we shut it down here, sir. Hey, man, huge fan of the show. Love it. Love football. I love this country. Um, you know, I guess I'm just uh, very proud that I got a chance to serve, and I would like to just ask, you know, everyone out there, please respect the ones that are doing it now, especially these young kids that are joining up. Um, you know, as much as we're enamored by, you know, the football players and, and what they can do on the field, like, I am just as excited about what American youth is bringing, you know, into this next generation and, you know, protecting us so that we can't have football and all that stuff, man. Um, hey, thanks for having me, boys, and uh, love to be here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call in again in the future if I can, and thank you very much for the opportunity. All right. Yes, yes sir, man. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, – and. 
uh, Robert, real quick, thank you for your service. Thank you for coming on the show and for spending some time with us. And I, I just wanted to, to say before you hung up that I, I think it's a good thing for everybody to, you know, remember our men and women that serve our country, even when it's not Veterans Day. And as a person that, you know, has traveled in and out of military towns, like that's a regular sentence that comes out of my mouth is thank you for your service. And I just want uh-huh. to make sure as a as a former uh soldier Robert that, that you don't get tired of hearing that and that and you can tell it comes from the right place. It's it's nice to hear from people. Uh because I always tell people to to remember to thank uh, people who have served in the military for their service and and make sure if if you know it that, that you show appreciation. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's, Thank that, you that's very much, good, sir. Really appreciate that. Uh, you know, yes, sir. let us not forget the words of JFK, like, that's not what we can, you know, what our country can do for us, but what can we do for our country? Like, it, it means more than just service. It means about, like, you know, stepping up when everything else seems like it's going to shit and a lot of people, you know, mm-hmm. have a negative opinion about our politics and all this stuff. Well, you, every individual can make a very small difference. And that's what I'm kind of realizing, and that's what, you know, I feel very blessed for. And thank you very much. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're welcome to step back anytime, sir. Uh, Mr. Harvey, man, give us a plug and a close out. You know what to do, my guy. PHIPL.co, promo code CHEFS to check out for 15% off. Future Bryce Hopper, jerseys, you know, maybe I'll get a free agent too. So if you do, maybe you get that Christmas jersey on time for somebody. But. Yeah, uh, you Philly fans are going to love Bryce Harper, Jalen Hurts. And let's not forget about what A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith do for him. So lots of Philly players to get their jerseys for your Philly fans that you know. Um, yeah, check them out, phiapparel.co. Check out the website, sportscitychefs.com. We got uh, finger foods, blogs, lots of other things, shows throughout the week, fantasy basketball on Mondays and Fridays. Our time is Sunday morning brunch on Sundays. The front office show this one on Tuesdays. Uh, other shows coming back up as uh, as we can very soon. So keep an eye out on the website for everything we got going on. Like and subscribe, man. I appreciate you, serious man. Uh, who that's mediocre right now? Jane Daniels is a star, <laughs> and Lazy Levanto Roulette, peace. Yes, sir, man. Thanks for coming by, kicking with us, man. Breaking news, man. It's a privilege and a pleasure as always, my guy. Give us a plug and a close out as we shut it down, sir. Yeah, you know, I just wanted to, to, you know, normally, obviously, sportscitychefs.com, check out the website, the blogs, uh, the content that the boys create. It's it's unbelievable. Um, the the fantasy football advice, the articles about players, uh, and even uh, Sirius and his um, snippets and videos uh, related to, you know, players and, and uh, you know, different content. The, the boys do a great job. But I want to just uh, real quickly, I'll take my time. To, to quickly make a comment about a player, and then um, I want to wrap it up with uh, what Mike was talking about, which is C.J. Stroud is is currently on track right now to obliterate the rookie passing record. And I understand people are going to say, oh, it's the 17th game. Well, Andrew Luck threw for 4,374 mm-hmm. yards back in 2012 and CJ Stroud right now is on track for almost 5,000 yards, 4,960. <laughs> he would have shattered it even if the game was a week 
earlier. I'm kicking myself because when we did our rankings uh, for draft prospects, I said Stroud was much closer to Bryce Young, but I didn't have the courage to put him ahead, even though secretly I had told Ty if I had a choice at number one, I would take Stroud over over uh, uh, Bryce. Uh, so it it it's good to see the kid playing well, and I'm really happy for uh, for Houston Texans fans who have really suffered, if you will, for a long time. Um, I just want to quickly say uh, on Veterans Day, thank you so much to Sirius. Thank you for Mike, and then obviously to uh, to my brother Bob. Uh, served 20 years in the military with special forces, spent a lot of holidays and uh, extended time overseas and away from his family. Like he mentioned, you know, there is a lot of people out there, might be soldiers, um, you know, uh, different branches that are out and about. And, you know, maybe what we're doing, uh, just providing content for them to listen to uh, could be uplifting. So, Whenever you're doing anything, boys, uh, let's always try to do our best because you never know who's listening um, or who's tuning in, and you could be the difference in someone else's day. God bless. Thank you so much, Breaking News, man. Um, as I always say, man, it's your boy Sirius repping that 412 and the 703, man. It's such a privilege and a pleasure to be here with you gentlemen. Um, I almost didn't make it, man. I almost didn't make it. My daughter can be born at any moment now. We had some false labels. So pr- keep me and your family. Keep me and my family in your thoughts and prayers as you get ready to deliver this baby girl. With that being said, uh, I wanted to kind of jump on, you know, this whole uh, paying homage and respect to veterans, man. I, I, I partnered with a company that helps uh, veterans uh, reach a 100% disability. Um, and as I said this earlier, there's a lot of veterans that come home um, and they get out of the service or whatever the case may be, and they're not fully taken care of like they should. And so I'm very, very blessed and fortunate to partner with a company that specifically specializes in getting veterans uh, their just due. So, Shout-out to, to, to Mr. Robert. Shout-out to all those um, that have served um, or considering serving. We, 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 got a, we got a lot of young audience members uh, who are thinking about signing their name on the dotted line to, to go defend and protect our company, uh, protect our, our, our country, man. You know, but with that being said, man, Lord willing, we'll be back in the building tomorrow. As CP would always say, man, tell a friend to tell a friend it's a chef again. If they don't know, man, now we know, man. Peace and love. God bless. We out. City chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon. They well in tune, bloom like a flower in June. Superman verse, MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend it's the Sports City chefs again. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Sports City.